Hello and welcome to the Tabletop Miniature Hobby Podcast. It's Matthew here, doing something a little bit differently on this episode because if you're a long-time listener to the show over the past, what, 20 episodes I think we've done now, you'll know that I uh, always have a guest on. Um, But on this episode, just wanted to have a chat uh, directly with you, the listener, um, just to chat about a couple of wee things and update you on what I've been up to in the hobby recently. Uh, So to kick things off, I just wanted to talk about... um, the latest things that have been on my painting table, things that I've got finished recently. Uh, So I got three miniatures finished. I'm working on another three at the minute. So it's the, you know, the old Krell miniature. Um, I don't know if it was the first Krell miniature, but certainly um, long since been pulled off the market. You know, he's a, I think he's an undead chaos warrior Krell, isn't he? So He's kind of in that pose that the classic monopose Chaos Warrior was, the plastic one that you got in like the paint sets back in the day. And uh, he's a he's a miniature that I bought back in the, the 90s at some point. So he used to have like a banner on his back. Doesn't have that anymore. I, I took it off. I'm, I really um, need to get a grip and try and do some banners, but it's just something that I avoid at the moment. So I took the the banner off and just filled the wee hole up on his back. He's on a round base now. I don't know how I feel about that. I think um, I maybe should have kept with the, the traditional way of doing and, and put him on a square base, but he's on a round base just now. And I've done a I've done a funny sort of paint scheme. I'm going to talk a wee bit about my, my painting, but um, he's got a bit of yellow and red on him there, so I wanted to make him quite colourful rather than sort of grim, dark. Um He's joined by an actual Chaos Warrior from otherworldminiatures.co.uk, I think the site is. That's a really good site. There's so much good stuff on there. Um, I could spend a lot of time and a lot of money on there picking stuff up. But I've got this uh, this Chaos Warrior. It's quite a, a big looking guy. He's got um, an axe in each hand. I'm going to put photos of these up on bedroombattlefields.com once they're finished. Uh, well, like I say, these two guys are finished, but we're waiting on the other three. And then I'll just be able to do one big post with the photos. But yeah, this guy, um, sort of Chaos Champion style guy. I've, I've actually put him on a square base. The third one that I finished, I'm sure this guy's from Midland Miniatures. And he's a kind of beastman with like a cape and a, an axe. I'm going to throw him into our Rangers of Shadow Deep party. I've called him Goatsy rather immaturely, if you like. Don't Google image Goatsy, whatever you do, especially not with safe search off. But um, yeah, that's his name, Goatsy. I think he's going to go into the party with Vinnie the Vulture and Fungus and all those guys that you've maybe heard us talking about on the, the episodes before. Uh, so yeah, kind of chaos beast mini guy from, from Midland Miniatures. And the three that I'm... Um, Still not finished, so I talked about Krell there, and on otherworldminiatures.com there's a Undead Chaos Warrior, so I think this is kind of a, what would you call it, like a not Krell, um, so just a, a an homage to him or a version of him, obviously without impeding on the copyright, but uh, this guy is um really cool looking miniature, um, and you can see why he, he might have been um, influenced by Krell, but it'd be interesting to see those two lining up side by side. Uh, so I'm working on him at the moment uh, Chaos Goblin is another one that's on the painting table that's another Midland miniature little Chaos Goblin cool little one actually he's got like a helmet and that so you don't really know that he is a goblin like he could have been I suppose a Chaos Dwarf although he's a bit thinner uh, than your traditional dwarf but um, 
yeah, cool wee guy with chainmail and like a double-handed um, weapon. I think it's a sword. Uh, nice little shoes as well. <laughs> nice little sort of... I always laugh when you see like a, you know, a sort of chaotic baddie or that and they've just got like a nice little pair of leather shoes with nice buckles on them. <laughs> like they've been to Clark's or something, you know, the back-to-school sale. So fair play to his mum for buying those shoes. Um, the the sixth and final one on the painting table at the moment, another other world miniature, sort of like a demonette, I suppose. Um, so it is a female character because there's a big old pair of boobies there um, covered up. Well, I, I don't know if they are covered up, actually. I think it's armour, but the armour's got the nipple on them because you need... Um, nipple armour I suppose um, so she has hooves as feet and she's got like long hair she's got boobs with boob armour um, and horns so she's got like a sword over her shoulder and she's holding a severed head as well so in the other hand so somebody's obviously copped her whack at the hands of this big boobed demonette with horse's hooves she certainly couldn't have snuck up on them with those hooves like, you know, clip-clop behind you. Like, a pair of coconuts being rattled together. I suppose there's a joke in there with the boob thing, but I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole. Uh, one of the other things I'm working on at the moment, I'm going to do a... I've never done anything like this before. I've deliberately bought miniatures with a view to doing, like, a sort of experiment. So I picked up 10... Androids from North Star. They're the company that sell like the Frostgrave and Stargrave and stuff like that. I know I know they're technically miniature agnostic games, but these um ranges are like the official ranges for those games, if you like. So they had some cool Android figures. And the reason I wanted to pick these up is because I've got a pile of um like Chaos Space Raiders from Nightmare Miniatures. And, I mean, these guys look really cool. And I, I'm kind of, I'm in two minds as to what to do with them and how to paint them and stuff like that. And I've got a lot of different ideas, but I find sometimes, I know you can strip paint, you can paint over stuff, but I don't know, there, there's some, I, I don't really like doing that for some reason or another. So I've got like, loads of different ideas about what I want to do with those Chaos Space Raiders but I figured if I could get something kind of similar then I could test a few ideas out. So I've got these 10 androids and they're good miniatures in their own right and they'll come in handy but what I'm going to do is just like each one of them is going to get his own unique individual colour scheme and the idea is that like I'm not worried about messing them up and uh, just going to see like maybe the, the four or five best ones that come out of that I could then do that with the with the Chaos Space Raiders because I I want to make a really good job with them like that they're, they're lovely old miniatures you know they look very they look very old hammery um, you know 90s white dwarf they wouldn't look out of place in there so hopefully I could do some sort of justice to that with the, with the paint job that kind of brings me round to, to what I was wanting to talk about just in terms of like the painting that I do because I'm not by any means a, a, a good or great painter and it's something that I, I purely do for enjoyment's sake. I read a, a really good book recently called 4,000 Weeks. 
uh, by a guy called Oliver Berkman. The premise of this book really is like 4,000 weeks is sort of the average human lifespan, which seems quite short. That's one of the points of the book. And it's just really talking about like how life shouldn't just necessarily be loads of things that you're doing you know, for some payoff in the future at some point. Like, you, sh- you don't need to always be working towards something for tomorrow or next year or whatever. And that um, there's a lot of value in just doing something pleasurable for, for the sake of it, you know, in our example, painting miniatures. He actually does, I'm going to find the quote here, he does reference her hobby as well. So, Aye, so he's talking about the word hobby um, and he's saying that since it's, come to signify something slightly pathetic, many of us tend to feel that the person who's deeply involved in their hobby of, say, painting miniature fantasy figures or tending to their collection of rare cacti is guilty of not participating in real life as energetically as they otherwise might. Yet it's surely no coincidence that hobbies have acquired this embarrassing reputation in an era so committed to using time instrumentally. In an age of instrumentalisation, the hobbyist is a subversive. He insists that some things are worth doing for themselves alone, despite offering no payoffs in terms of productivity or profit. The derision we heap upon the avid stamp collector or train spotter might really be a kind of defence mechanism to spare us from confronting the possibility that they're truly happy in a way that the rest of us, pursuing our lives ceaselessly in search of future fulfilment, are not. So there you go, we excerpt from that book. 4,000 Weeks it's called, really, really good book. Um, But yeah, specifically this section I thought was really interesting and relevant to us as those uh, aforementioned miniature painters. And there was a really good wee, uh, not even a, well, a chapter, a segment of a chapter in it. And it was talking about like Rod Stewart, because apparently um, Rod Stewart's right into like he's got this model railway and uh, he's really big on like he builds this railway set and he paints all the you know he makes the buildings and stuff like that and the author was kind of talking about the fact that you know that's just a hobby of his and he actually apparently he's admitted like he's done a interview in a railway magazine he says look I'm not even very good at it it's just something I do for enjoyment so it got me thinking about like you know, we talk about you go online, especially if you've like if you're active on something like Instagram or that social media. You see some examples of just like stunning out of this world paintwork, and for most of us, I think we're never ever going to hit those heights. And to be honest, like based on the conversations I've had so far, very few people are trying to get there either. You know, it's more about just enjoying doing what you do when you when you sit down to paint or stand up as it as it might be. But on the flip side, I don't think there would be satisfaction in painting if you thought what you'd done was absolutely horrible. Like if you you might enjoy painting the miniature, but you look at it at the end and you think that's just disgusting. It's vile. Um I don't think there would be, you know, and you might be different, but for me, there would be no satisfaction in that. So even though I know that what I'm painting can't compare to some of these other paint jobs that I see, I still want to be proud of it because I think that like within my own ability, I've done a good job at it. So I think there's a middle ground there. Like I don't think I don't think going into the hobby and just saying, you know what, I'm having having fun. Uh, 
I know what I'm doing's terrible, but who cares, you know? And if that is somebody, then fair play. But to me, that I just I don't know. I, I couldn't couldn't enjoy that. I suppose so. I guess what I'm going round and round about saying is that I do try and like I do try and create works that I I am proud of, and um, the kind of style that I've found has been working for me. I think I've been doing this like a year now. So what I'll do. I'll do a black undercoat or prime. I don't know what the technical term is, but yeah, I'll, I'll spray them black, touch them up with the with the the paint itself just to make sure everything's covered. And then I'll do. I've got the um the two base coats for the Citadel contrast paints, a uh, wraithbone and what's the other one, grey sear. So then I'll take one of them and I'll do that zenithal. Uh, I seen it on YouTube once. The zenithal uh, highlighting effect, where you basically spray over the top of them, so you're spraying directly down on them. And I think the whole idea is that it, it, it highlights the, um, you know, the areas that the light would be shining on, essentially from the sun. So you're getting the shaded areas underneath the miniature, and it just makes it a lot more natural when you start painting it because you're you've not got these brilliant white areas like underneath folds and fabrics and stuff and it looks really unnatural with the light so I find to prime a miniature that way gives it a really good start and then what I'll do is I'll there are exceptions to this but almost always I'll paint the miniature I'll completely coat it in the skeleton horde contrast paint so I'm I'm really into the contrast paints because I just I, I've got a lot of the old hexagonal citadel paints which i love um i love the smell of them for right or for wrong but they're very nostalgic just to open them up and use them a wee bit now and then but it, mostly i'm using the contrast paints because i just find the normal paints really difficult to use I, I i just don't do a good job with them and i know i could spend time with youtube tutorials and trying to learn it and push myself that way but i've kind of got a system that i feel is working for me so i'm just using that so I'll coat them in a skeleton hoard. And to be honest, at that point, depending on the miniature, you could argue that it looks done because it's got all sorts of different shading with that zenithal highlighting or priming or whatever you call it. And then once the skeleton hoard dries in, again, the contrast paints, you'll probably know yourself, they're, they're kind of designed to dry in where, you know, some areas are going to be darker, some will be lighter. So it just gives you... You know, you're looking at it and thinking a lot of works went into all the details there, but actually, you know, it's it's almost nothing that's been done so far. And then uh, I'll just pick away at it with some of the other paints, just pick out a few wee areas and, um, yeah, just highlight them, I suppose. And I find myself working with very few paints, to be honest. Like, I've got the, the Dunes one. What's it called again? Agaros Dunes, I think it's called. Gore Grunter Fur. And um, the Plague Bearer one, I use that as well. A um, couple of the reds and yellows. I really don't use a lot. Don't use a lot of different paints on them. And I heard a good quote once, and I wish I could credit the person. I, c- I just can't remember where I came across this, but they were saying that uh, painting a miniature, it's not a rainbow. You don't need to use 40 different colours, you don't need, to, you know, every every single little section of the miniature needs its own unique, unique colour, if you like, um, and I've fallen into that trap before, where I've 
I thought, you know, I've done the pouch and the the quiver, they are the same colour, like they should really be different. And, you know, uh, so I'm I'm more content now to say, let's just have three or four colours on this miniature. Because like I say, once that skeleton horde is applied over the the zenithal priming, then uh, it really does look almost finished at that point. And it's just a case of picking up, um, picking out a few wee bits and doing those. The basin as well, I've got a, I don't know if this is common, I don't think it is, but I'm doing the basin before the priming. So I'll put it on the, put the miniature on the base, fill in any gaps with, with some of the putty, and then I'll put like a, was it an army painter? This is great audio when I'm just picking stuff up and taking a look at it. Vallejo ground texture. So I've got some of that. It dries on really well. Just apply it with one of the wee, I don't know what you call them, a modelling tool. Um, so I'll put that on and it hardens really well. So by the time it gets um, undercoated black and then gets one of those uh, highlighter base colours over it, that already uh, gives it quite a good effect. And then I just put the Plague Bearer green over it and do the old uh, goblin green round the sides as well. That doesn't matter if it's if it's a square base or a round base, you get the goblin green round it. Because uh, I'm a traditionalist that way. So yeah, that's kind of the way that I'm painting miniatures and I'm really happy with it. Like I'm really happy with the results. Again, I'm not claiming that it's uh, it's world class. It's, it's far from it. You know, you'll see loads of better stuff out there, but I'm not trying. I just, I just want to be satisfied with my own miniatures and know that I'm doing decent work. Uh, and I'm not, I'm not overly bought. People say you should always be trying new things and pushing yourself. And yeah, that's, that's true in a lot of pursuits, but certain hobbies, you know, this, this hobby for me, I'm, I'm not trying to get great at it. I'm just happy plugging away at it. Um, some of the recent stuff that I've finished and posted, you'll find at bedroombattlefields.com. They were, um, all from a company called CP Models that I really like. And what was it? I'm just going on to the website here. Um, got like a group of like sort of ganger type guys that would look really good in Necromunda, I think. Um, some undead aliens, uh, fed troopers and future trench warfare guys as well. Kind of uh, like alternative World War One or two sort of guys. Um they were all a lot of fun to paint, so they were all done that way. You could find that at bedroombattlefields.com if you want a wee look. And uh, I'd love to hear what you think as well. Like, what is your, what's your own like state of play with your painting? Um, are you, are you trying to become like the folk that you see on the Facebook groups and Instagram uh, accounts that you follow? Or are you just happy with the process? Are you even like at the stage, you know, do, do you paint something and think that looks terrible, but you know what, I enjoyed painting it? Because um, again, we're all different. I, I'd expect there's a lot of different answers to this. Um, so I get in touch. Uh, hello at bedroombattlefields.com, I think is how you could do that. Um, I have a Twitter account too, which I'll, I'll notice if anyone tweets. I don't read timelines or that, but I think that's Bedroom Battles on Twitter. So you could get in touch that way too. And I will see it. Um, I would see the notification. So um, going back to the... Here's the thing. Going back to the the undercoating, the basin. I've been using, like I say, I've been using the, the Citadel sprays. And for some reason, I think it was just one of them where you think to yourself, I'm just buying Citadel stuff because like, 
it's easy just to see Games Workshop, but I knew that there was like Army Painter stuff. So I got a tin of um, black primer from Army Painter when my last Chaos Black Citadel one ran out. And I went out and uh, tried to, to try to use it basically. And it just like the, the nozzle clogged up within seconds. And I know that I've probably done something wrong because um, there'll be loads of people that are really good at this that, that use it and swear by it. And, I, you know, it'll be my fault. But I think what happened was, uh, you know, before priming it, I've, I, again, I don't watch a lot of tutorials, but a few years ago I'd seen, like, it's good practice to kind of warm these tins up and really shake them well and try and use them outside in decent conditions. That's not always easy in Scotland, but... I tried my best to to do the things that you're supposed to do, and it's still it's still jammed up. And to be fair to Army Painter, like I reached out to them, and one of the chaps there, I think they're out in like potentially Denmark or something like that. Uh, but to be fair to them, uh, the guy had said to me, like you know, he sent over some resources, and like uh, he's like, you might want to check these out because he admitted himself, you know, there there are like nuances to working these things. And then he sent out. Um, a load of nozzles as well, which was great of them, I thought. But then I tried it again, you know, put one of these nozzles on, did what I thought was all the right things before it and had the same problem. And then uh, just recently, there, just the other day, I put um, one of the big nozzles on, went out and tried to do it, the Androids, and it jammed up again. And I was right next to the, the recycling bin where all the cans and stuff go. I just opened the lid and chucked it straight in in a, in a bit of a huff, <laughs> a bit of a tantrum. So uh, nipped on Amazon and bought myself a, a Chaos Black. So that came and uh, I've been using it on those Androids um, and it's been working fine. And I suppose it's, I don't know, maybe maybe they're more idiot proof. But that said, like you look at the new, the newer uh, paint pots that you get for Citadel, they're horrible. I mean, it's not so bad with the contrast paints because they're, they're not thick, but if you use any of the the actual paints, if you like, and those new pots are just really horrible. Like when I got back into the hobby and um, naively, I was I was painting, admittedly, straight out the pot. But you open these things, and they kind of it's hard to get the lid to stay open. And then in that little lip thing that catches some of the paint, you open it and it, it pours out the sides and it gets onto the, you know, within like within a couple of times opening and closing one of these things. It was, I mean, the pot looked like the great unclean one, like it was all crusted around the, the sides and stuff like that. And I think I'd said on a, on a, I think it was like a Facebook group at the time. I'm not on Facebook these days, but I'd said about it and I'd posted a photo and said, what's with these bottles? And a few folk were like, oh, you're not using them properly. And I was thinking like, well, it's essentially just a liquid container, right? And liquid containers are probably what, quarter of a million years old, like we've had, so I was going to call it technology. It's not technology. Like the ability to have like a pot of liquid. It's not rocket science. So somehow my point is Games Workshop have managed to make that complicated. Um, and, you know, the, the, there'll be people out there that say you need to just learn to use it properly. And my argument would be, do, do you really, can they not just make a thing that would be more idiot proof? But yeah, to be fair to them, uh, they must be doing all right with the spray paints because I, I managed to use them. And, uh, you know, like I say, the army painter one, I just had no luck at all with that. A uh, couple of final things, I suppose. Um, I posted uh, photos of 
Space Crusade for the Commodore 64 on the site. Found that ages ago and I've just got round to like looking out some stuff to, to sell on eBay basically. Um, so yeah, Space Crusade for the Commodore 64. I can't, re- I said this in my post, I can't remember playing it very much or at all. So I don't know if I, I probably didn't like it because I was obviously like really into that sort of thing at the time and playing the Commodore a lot, it would have made sense that I would have loved this game, but um, I think it was turn-based, so I probably just not got into it for that reason. But uh, yeah, like 1991 or 92 that came out, so it was quite cool just to see that again. I was going through an old box of stuff, and there it was, big Space Marine on the front uh, with the, the token haircut, the, the buzz cut that they wear. Um, elsewhere, yeah, I was thinking about... Uh, I was thinking back, actually, because I'm... Some of the other stuff on the painting table that I'm looking to get back to soon is the uh, the six mil stuff, and I was thinking back to the episode we did on the the six mil um, wargaming, and uh, I think I, I didn't pick up on this at the time, but when when I was talking to Peter and he was saying about it's um, generally six foot by four foot tables, so you could have huge armies, and that's great, you know, if you've got a six foot by four foot table. I know very few people that do. Or have access to them. So I was thinking like 6 mil, one of the benefits of it could also just be to to basically create for yourself like a, for lack of a better term, a travel Warhammer. Because if you think about like Warhammer fantasy battles, how many, what was like the average amount of units? Was it like 6 or 7? 6 or 7 units average for an army. So 6 or 7 units in 6 mil just take that and um, you get like I've got a couple of neoprene mats I think they're 20 inch by like 33 inch or or vice versa something like that Um, so they're sort of coffee table sized mats Uh, and it's it's really easy to get quite a lot of terrain at that scale as well and really decorate a table even if it's a small table like that or a small mat like that so you could really create like you know a full game of Warhammer just on a smaller scale I don't think it has to be that 6 foot by 4 foot and you know like literally I don't know 100 units or something like that which is a you know an accurate um, an accurate representation of a, a battle I suppose a real battle but at the same time we're, we're always um, able to put our, uh, or suspend our disbelief and if you're used to playing with 6 or 7 units you might want to think about just, you know, I want to create a version of this game that's smaller and I could take it with me and I could maybe just have two armies and play it with a friend and it will just be a bit easier. So, yeah, that was just an idea that popped into my head the other week that I wanted to, to briefly touch upon. Um, final thing to mention, I suppose, I wanted to, do, uh, wanted to do a little giveaway, actually, because, again, going through that box of stuff that I'm wanting rid of, I found, let me just get them here, so we've got got two books, um, and I looked I looked on the old Google machine, so this is Warhammer 6 edition, so I know roughly my demographic in this audience, this is potentially after our time, but some of you might, be, might have played this edition, so Warhammer 6 edition, I think it was 2000 to 2006, and I've got the... Um, Warhammer Armies Beasts of Chaos book and Warhammer Armies Hordes of Chaos. So I've got two army books here. 
I can see they've, they've still got the price of what I paid for them back in the day. Uh, £12. £12 each they cost. But um, this actually, this <laughs> I've not spoke about this on the podcast, but I had a very brief moment in like 2000 and I don't know, maybe four or something. It was like a week <laughs> where I was like, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get back into Warhammer and stuff like that. And I went and bought these books and maybe like a packet of miniatures. And then I just never really got round to, to getting back into it. So it was just like a, a blip because I'd, uh, I'd stopped kind of doing the hobby in the late 90s. And then it wasn't until 2000 and maybe 18 or 19 that I did. So, um, yeah, these two per- failed purchases from that blip. Uh, and I, I just thought, you know, why not give them away on the podcast if anyone wants them? The wee caveat here, I must apologise for this. It's only really for people in the UK because posting them internationally is just going to cost a bit too much. I don't think it'd be worth it. Uh, so I really do apologise if you're listening outside of these shores. But if you're based in the UK, all you need to do to um, qualify to get one of these, to enter the, the prize draw if you like, just rate, uh, rate and review the podcast on your listening app of choice or on a platform like Podchaser. Uh, give us a wee rating and review. Uh, take a screenshot of it and email me at, at um, hello at bedroombattlefields.com. Just send me an email and say I've reviewed the show. Here you go. And I'll put you in the prize draw for this. And we'll run this for the month of, um, well, the rest of April, time of recording, and all of May as well. Spoiler alert or, or hint alert, we don't have many listeners. So if, if you are a listener and you're listening in the UK, there's a reasonable chance you'll get one of these books, quite honestly. I'm not just saying that so loads of people will do the reviews and stuff, but, you know, we, we, we genuinely don't have many listeners on this humble little podcast. So, yeah, Warhammer Armies Hordes of Chaos, Warhammer Armies Beasts of Chaos from 6th edition. So uh, rate and review the podcast on your listening app of choice or Podchaser. Send a screenshot of it to hello at bedroombattlefields.com and I'll put you into the prize draw. And again, um, I do apologise, but this is a UK-only competition. I'll run one for the rest of the world too, but it'd have to be some digital. Don't know what we could do there. Maybe a photo of Goatsy, the miniature, but we'll do it as an NFT and you could own it and stuff like that. Um, that'd be a whole other rabbit hole, wouldn't it? So, yeah, this has been interesting. A wee, a wee solo episode. Maybe you've hated it. Um, maybe you didn't mind it. I'd love to hear from you. You know, would you like me to do more of these or would you prefer to have more interesting people come on the show and I just ask them some questions and they're the ones that, that bring the value? Uh, I've mentioned it a few times, but you could reach out at hello at bedroombattlefields.com. Right, we'll wrap it up there. You've been listening to the Tabletop Miniature Hobby Podcast and thanks once again for doing so. We'll speak again on the next episode.